Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 426 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm your co-host and CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, where you'll find writing courses and a wonderfully supportive writing community. I'm here with Alison Tate, my partner in crime, also known as A.L. Tate, author of The Wolf's Howl, her latest book. How are you, Al? Well, I'm, I'm, where, how am I? I'm slightly <laughs> bemused. Like, I think you always yeah. feel a little bit sort of, I, I had this massive week last week when the wolf's howl came out. Yes. Um, I was doing a whole bunch of, of different things. My reel made its way into the world. <laughs> and um, I, I think you'll agree with me that it was quite the viewing. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I felt like I was there with you celebrating in your dream. It was very exciting, and I got. Um, it's a dream sequence, everyone. If you yeah, and if you look, to be it. honest with you, I was pleasantly surprised by how how well it did. Like it, it's yeah. um it's an interesting phenomenon, the old reel. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a bit fun. So if you want to have a look at that, and you haven't seen me in all of my glory, and it is quite <laughs> glorious, let me tell you. Uh, check it out at Alison Tate Writer. Um, that's so, on Instagram. On Instagram, sorry, yes, on Instagram. And so, yeah, so, I, I, you know, it's been one of those weeks and then you sort of get to the end of it and the book's out there. Um, I've been sending off uh, signed copies to everyone who ordered one through, uh, you know, through the So You Want to Be a Writer block party, et cetera, um, but also because I have um, – you know, I've had my my book launch on Zoom. I, I've been sending mm-hmm. out copies for that, so that's been fun. You know, it's very satisfying trotting up to the post office with big stacks of of, uh, of packages in your arms. Quite exciting. Yes. I felt very grown up. Um, and now I'm just, you know, it's time for me to kind of get ready for book week. A lot of my stuff has gone online, so I'm preparing for, you know, Zooms and various things. And I, I do actually find Zooms quite tiring because. Um, I get this sense of myself trying to press the energy, you know, through the screen. And oh, yes, so true. Do you feel that when you do yes, that? Like it's definitely. it's a funny thing because you're trying very hard to to keep that energy up all the time so that, that it doesn't become boring. Um, so, yeah, I end up like doing those and then needing a good lie down afterwards. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got a, a lot of, uh, of that sort of stuff coming up for Book Week. Book Week is obviously a massive month usually for uh, children's authors and, you know, this this year it's going to be not as massive because we're mm. a lot of online stuff. But I'm, I'm really grateful that I get to be able to do it online. Like there is a, you know, a huge amount of gratitude involved in being able to at least continue to have those conversations with kids and, and um, just, you know, to, I mean, the great thing about book week is that it just puts the spotlight. It's, it's the one kind of week, although it does actually drag out to a month these days um where you know where children's literature is is in the spotlight you know it's got Mm. a big light shone on it and um I'm incredibly grateful that we at least are able to continue to do that so that that's brilliant and I'm also just looking forward Valerie and this is very long for me normally I'm fair to middling and let's move on but (laughs) I'm obviously I'm obviously having a moment here. Um, I'm also just really looking forward to getting to the end of August because I've got some ideas for books that I just really want to get stuck into. I want to be able to give them the time and 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 space to kind of to bring those things. I've got one to edit. I've got a picture book to finish, and I have a brand new idea that I want to get started on. So that's what you do it for. Wow. I'm living for that moment. I'm living for September right now, being able to just really focus on that. Well, that's exciting. It sounds like you've got a plan, which is fantastic. 
well, I just think you always need a plan. Got no, to, yes. You have to have something to, like, even if it's never happens, you know, mm. even if it's just something that you, like, it's like, it's like the way I write. You just need a vague outline, right? Just so you've got mm. an idea of where you're going. Yeah, yeah. Very, very exciting. Now, we want to give a big shout out, Al, because mm. our mm. book, the one we wrote. Oh, the called, one we wrote together. Yeah, the one we wrote together, So yeah. You Want to Be a Writer, it's made its way, it's having an impact, not just in Australia, but um, all the way over in America. Oh, and there's and a hello bunch of, to our US listeners yes. because there's actually a surprising number of you. Who, I, yeah. Well, I think they must just tune in for the good days, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> so Chrissy Mitchie kindly left us a five-star rating on Amazon and uh, Chrissy said, if you are a seasoned writer or just starting out, their book gives lots of info on how you can go to the next level in your writing career. While the authors are Australian, some of the info in the book is relative info that can be used for non-Australians. Read this book if you are looking for inspiration and motivation. If you are already inspired, then read the book so you can know what to do next in your career or how to reorganize your plan. Because we love a plan. <laughs> love a plan. Well, that's brilliant. Thank you, Thank you so much, Chrissy. Yes. We really appreciate that you've taken the time to do that. Um, if you've read our book and you would love to leave a review so that other people can also discover our inspiration and motivation, then, you know, we fully encourage that, don't we, Valerie? Absolutely. And if you haven't read our book, you can get it on Amazon or you can get it directly from us at uh, soyouwanttobeawriter.com.au slash book. We'll put the link in the show notes anyway. Another person who's written a book, in fact, her 10th picture book, is Leslie Gibbs. Now, this is very exciting because Leslie is one of our presenters at the Australian Writers' Centre and she's written a book, and I think it's really cute, it's called Dinosaur Dads, illustrated by Marjorie Crosby Farrell. And it's like it's pretty good to have longevity as a picture book author to have your tenth book out. I reckon, don't you? Oh yeah, like it's it's fantastic, and she does such great work. And you yes. know, she writes brilliant uh, junior fiction. Her junior fiction, um, she has a, a not. I'm just trying to think of what the name of it is because I'm having a complete and utter brain synapse. So I'm just going to Google that very very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's oh fizz the fizz a, books the fizz books um, and those fizz books are actually available in the US they sell um, over there as well she writes great junior fiction she writes terrific um, picture books and um, she's just a really lovely person like I'm yeah. I, I feel blessed that I'm part of the team of the Australian at the Australian Writers Centre but Leslie and I did a a little uh, school visit uh, festival thing um, a couple of years ago and we, oh. we actually, that's the first time we'd ever met face-to-face. Like we obviously we're all online and whatever. Mm. Um, but, yeah, we had a great night at this at this uh, school festival that we went to and it was really great to be able to put a, you know, a proper face to the to the to the name. You know, it's um, yes, she's so effervescent, and everyone who does her course writing chapter books for six to nine year olds. So she's got this great course at the Australian Writers Centre. It's all video where she's talking directly to you, um, and uh, she gives you exercises and shows you how to write your own chapter book. Um, everyone who does that course just raves about it. It's really fun to understand how a chapter book is put together. So. Yeah, very, very cool. Mm. All right. Now, Al, apart from launching your book, I know that you have recently moved house. So does that mean you have a new 
writing space. I do. I have a new study. I'm and it's always been, curious about people's well, writing Well, no, spaces. and it's been quite interesting because you do, like I wrote, I all of my published children's fiction was written in my old house, like mm. all of it. So I had been there for about uh, like nine, nearly ten years. Um, I wrote the first map maker book there and then every single thing that I've done since then has all happened you know in that room in my old house and if you would actually like to have a look at my old house you should check out book boy has got a new series of videos um on youtube uh look for joe visser joe visser music they cool. it's called songs from a room and the whole thing has been uh shot he's he's very clever friend who's only in year 11, like just does my head in how clever these kids are, um, has shot all these videos and they've done a series of five that were all shot in our old house once it was empty. So it's all in the empty rooms of my house oh, and in the acoustics. garden. Mm. Uh, the acoustics are great. But if you want a tour of this house and garden that I've been talking about on this podcast for the last <laughs> 8 billion episodes, go have a look at it. Um, so uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. Um yes. Yeah, so it's been quite interesting because now I'm in a quite different space. I'm in a very different house, in a very different sort of location. And I have to say that I'm really loving my new I'm loving my new office because the thing about my old house was that yes, it was a beautiful house and it was a beautiful room, but you know, we talked many times about how cold it was in winter. Do you remember yeah. us talking about me wearing my dressing gown over all of my clothes, etc.? And um, your fingerless so- gloves. Yeah, so I'm in this lovely sort of south-facing room at the back. I've got windows on two sides, which is very different to my old uh, study, which was in the middle of the house. Um, Mm. So it's brilliant for, like, I'm having to do all this Zoom stuff, you know, and I've got this terrific lighting. I've been able Mm. to set it up so I've, I've got clever with it and I've actually, I'm organizing the wall behind me to just be Zoom ready at the drop of a hat. I've decided yeah. I'm sick of trying to rearrange my life every single time mm-hmm. I have to do a Zoom because I'm having to do so many of them. So I'm just rearranging my backdrop behind me, ready to go at a moment's notice. Um, and, yeah, I'm just in this. So the the old uh, study that I had doubled as the spare room, this study does not. This is just me in my space. Um, the mm-hmm. only thing I haven't quite worked out at this point is – and and you can imagine how unhappy he is about this, but I haven't quite worked out Procrasty Pop's, you know, lounging position. Yeah. He's got a little rug on the floor at the moment, but he's not too happy with that. But, look, you know, I, I always I always say that I don't think, you know, you can write anywhere. Like, I, you know, when I first started writing novels and things, I was at a kitchen table in a, mm. a two-bedroom house in, in Sydney. You know, like you, you, you can – write novels anywhere. And I think I've always said that I don't think, um, you know, the space doesn't make your writing special. It's the writing that makes your space yeah. special. And, I, and I'm and i fully on board with that. Um, and so it will be interesting to see whether or not the change of environment has anything to, you know, has any impact on on how I write or what I write, but I don't think it will because, you know, for me, writing's a habit. You just do it wherever you are. Yes. Um, it's all about, you know, I've always written at my computer and I just sit at my computer and that's what I do. And I think that, um, what you know, it's lovely to have a designated space and I feel blessed and I know how lucky I am to have a designated space. Um and I do love the fact that it's a light, airy space, which is quite mm. different to where I was. Uh, but it, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether or not there's a change in what come, you know, what I produce. I'd, I'm, I'm not sure yet, Val. We'll have to wait mm. and see. 
I think that um, that's really interesting because um, I think that I'm the same as you in that I don't think my writing output or my writing habit would change at all regardless of where I sat because whether, you know, where I sit, whether that's in a cafe or whether it's in my office at home or whatever. But what I have noticed because um, I moved just before you, so I moved Mm. into what, uh, you know, like the study kind of thing. Mm. But I've since changed that up. I did that for about two months and wasn't feeling it. The writing was fine. But what I wasn't doing is I wasn't reading. I just didn't feel like reading in that room. And so I changed, moved all the furniture to, you know, everything. It was a big day. (laughs) Um, Right. Into this whole other room. And it's a completely different feel. So, again, I'm still writing, which is fine, but I'm – a, more comfortable on Zoom, <laughs> which is such a thing these days. It B, is. I'm reading and I just couldn't get into the reading at the other spot. That's interesting because I have never mm. read. I have never read in – I don't read in my working space. I don't oh. read in my study ever. No, really? never. No, what? I've never done that. It's This is where I work. This is not where I read. And I know but reading sometimes is part you have to read for work. <laughs> no, I know reading is part of the work, but I just don't do it in here. I, I will oh. go and read. Com- yeah, never. I've never done that. I'm fascinated by that. I've never. I mean, I read that. other places too, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, um, I've, I've just always left the. I've always like gone elsewhere to read anything. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Well, anyway, go. I'm much happier in the new place um, because then I can do all the things. Well, we can share – so we'll share images. I think we should share a photo each of our writing spaces. But I would really like to see the writing spaces of our community. Um, So I'll start a little thread in our podcast community Facebook group. If you're not there, you'll find us at So You Want to Be a Writer on – what is it called again? So You Want to Be a Writer podcast (laughs) community on Facebook. Facebook. How long have I been doing this for? Um, And – yeah, so join us in there. I'll start a thread, but I would love to see where you write because I'm really fascinated. And some people have the most amazing spots. Like I know Ellie Marnie mm. has a writing shed and, you know, different people have different different setups, but I'd love to see what yours is. I have like writing desk shame because it's um, I've got all temporary furniture here. Like the desk that's my that's next to me at the moment is what I used to feed my cat on. Oh, Valerie, what? How is that possible? Where's your writing desk gone? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) It's in a storage (laughs) unit. That's a good question. The the desk that I'm literally got everything on right now is was what was in the garage before. And it's just got marks and crap all over it. I am gonna upgrade at some point when I get round to it. I've got Um, an old I've just got this old nineteen thirties like bank manager desk. Not not the manager, like not the pot, not really posh, but it's it's huge. I've got a huge desk. Um Mm. but I've had it forever. Like I've had it for I don't know, I've been lugging it around. I think since the pretty much since the um as soon as we left the two bedroom house in in Sydney where I couldn't fit anything like this and and uh, moved out, you know, with my tree change, I, mm. I got a desk to go with me. Oh, I, I've yet to get that desk. I've yet to get a grown-up desk. Can oh. you believe it? I'm this old and I've yet to get a grown-up. I need – that's I, my mission. That's your mission. Desk. Right, okay. Well, mm. you know, you still have to photograph the crappy cat yeah, okay. one though because it's we're, – we're all about authenticity <laughs> here, Valerie. Okay. We're authentic, our authentic selves. Oh. Uh. 
<laughs> All right, no problem. Fantastic. Well, one thing that we said that I would do last week that you challenged me to do was to do my first Instagram reel because I got oh, inspired yes. that you'd done several and I did yeah. do my first Instagram reel. So What? I didn't even see it. Yeah. It's got Rocky in it, my cat. Of course. All right. Well, I'll go, <laughs> I will go and have a look immediately after we stop recording this podcast. Uh, all right, let's move on to our competition this week. This is so exciting because you could win one of three copies of The Wolf's Howl by A.L. Tate. Oh, that's also exciting. Known as I Alison won't be Tate. signing up for that one. <laughs> the one and only best-selling author, A.L. Tate, is back with the next Maven and Reeve mystery. Maven and Reeve find themselves at the far-flung and gloomy Glorn Castle while Sir Garrick secretly searches for supporters of the rebellion. But when a cook goes missing and the Earl... Earl... Everyone's... Earl... Earl's personal guards take more than a passing interest in the disappearance. Danger looms and the potential for discovery grows. Can Maven and Reeve solve the mystery or will they be unmasked? and sentenced with treason. So, exactly. Entries close on the 16th of August. You could win one of three copies. Just go to writerscentre.com.au slash win and follow the instructions. That's writerscentre.com.au slash win. Now, Al, Mm -hmm. are you ready for the word of the week? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm always ready, Val, as you know. Okay, you may you might have heard of this, but do you really know the meaning, right? Gorgon, G O R G O N. Yes. Do you? Yeah. Mm, okay. Sorry, I do. Yes. All right. Anyway, so, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil your fun. You you know hit us with it. Tell us what okay. it is. So, if you don't know, <laughs> a for the Gorgon. four people out there that don't know, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. The, a gorgon is a terrible or repulsive woman, and it's from Greek mythology. There were three gorgons, Steno and Uriel, and the famous Medusa. It could be Uriali and the famous Medusa. But, of course, what I want to know is, is there a word for a terrible and repulsive man? I don't mean a male gorgon because they may have been male gorgons in some myths, but is there a similar word you could use for a man? If you know, let us know in the Facebook group. There you go. And that was the word of the week. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre and our course, Crime and Thriller Writing. In this five-week online course, you'll discover how to write a gripping page-turner, the different types of crime and thriller fiction, the ingredients every good story needs, how to manage characters, pace, suspense and climax, and publishing options and much more. And you'll get feedback on your writing from your tutor. Let's hear from Shankari Chandran. When I first decided to do a course at the AWC, I had been writing for a few years. I had taken time out of my career as a lawyer to have our fourth child, and life was chaotic, but I had always wanted to write, and so I thought I would give it a go in between baby feeds and school runs and so on. I have just published The Barrier with Pan Macmillan Australia, and I'm loving it. For many years, being published felt like an impossible dream, like something that happened to other people. When I heard that I was going to be published, I was at Officeworks because I find buying stationery really therapeutic, and I put down my stationery and cried. The AWC's course has had a huge impact on my writing. 
It's changed my understanding of the thriller genre and my approach to writing it. Because of the clarity the course gave me, I feel far more confident doing it. I feel incredibly fortunate that my books have been published now. I love writing. It's energising and meditative for me. I feel really committed to the stories I'm telling and I hope to keep doing it. Look, I would absolutely recommend the courses at the AWC um, to friends, aspiring authors, anyone. I would say do a course, do lots of courses and do them earlier rather than later on your writing path. It's worth it. To find out more, go to writerscentre.com.au slash crime. All right, so let's move on to our writer in residence this week. I had a ball talking to Tim Aliff. Tim is not only the managing editor of television and video for ABC News, um, he's the former executive producer of News Breakfast. He is a busy guy keeping up mm. with the news cycle and yet he manages to find the time to pen these best-selling thrillers. His latest book is The Enemy Within. So let's have a chat to Tim. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tim. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Congratulations on your latest book, The Enemy Within. Oh, so for, for listeners who haven't got their hands on a copy yet, can you tell us what it's about? Uh, it's about um, journalist John Bailey. He's my key character. He is on the trail of a white supremacist group that um, he's investigating in um, Sydney. So he goes along to see um, an American kind of populist, you know, far-right nationalist, a darling of the far-right, um, who's giving a speech and he he goes along to this speech and finds himself um, in the crowd with a lot of uh, white supremacist sort of figures and from that sort of point onwards it, it, as he starts looking into them and, and also the person that he's gone to see, he finds himself sort of stuck in the middle of this white supremacist plot really that stretches you know across the world to United States and, and back to Australia too. Um, and then the other thread I guess on the on the, the story is I was really interested in I'm really interested in that idea of abuse of power and um, in June 2019 um, a number of Australian federal police officers um, walked into my workplace which is the ABC um, and started um, kind of raiding our files and there was uh, in looking for a um, the source of a story that's a couple of great journalists um, colleagues of mine had been um, you know had worked on a few years earlier, and um, the warrant that they used to raid the ABC that day um, had this incredibly sort of troubling um, power to it, which gave them the right to be able to add, copy, or delete um, or alter our files in the course mm -hmm. of their investigation. So that really um, you know worried me. It worried a lot of my colleagues and in fact um my colleague um john lyons the head of investigations at the abc he sat in the room um while uh that the investigate while the afp officers were going through all of our files um and he was live tweeting the whole thing and in the course of that um those about eight hours or so i think they spent at the abc that day um i think he had another 10 or fifteen thousand followers on um twitter because we we're getting picked up all around the world by the you know media in the in the US and and mm. Britain and other countries too. So for me, um, I guess the essence of the story, the crime thriller that I've I've written, the enemy within, is that um, it's about abuse of power and this far right nationalist movement 
um, that's sort of stoking a rise in white supremacy um, in Australia and also around the world. Mm. Now, we're going to come back to this book because it's um, it's so fascinating and so well written. But to give some listeners to give listeners some context, you're the managing editor for television and video for ABC News, and you've been a journalist for more than 20 years, which is obviously where some of these news stories that you're reporting on, you know, they've inspired some of the characters. But at, at what point in those 20 years did you think, oh, I might write some crime thrillers? Um, well, there wasn't really a point because I always wanted to write um, books. Um, when I was a kid, I knew that I wanted to be a journalist um, and I also really wanted to write fiction. I just really love fiction. In fact, um, you know, I always think you know, that you can get to so much truth in fiction that you can't get in, in nonfiction because you don't have the liber- you're not liberated by you know, creating a kind of world to explore an issue. And that's what I love doing with my crime thrillers and that, that everything in them either has happened, you know, will happen or could happen. You know, the could, I guess, is where you have, you have that fun. But, um, yeah, I, I, I've always wanted to, to write. Um, you know, I've got a couple of books in a drawer that, you know, are not good enough to see the light of day and I won't let them ever see the light of day. Um, but, um, you know, I, 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 I wrote, you know, one in my early 20s and then started another one a bit later. But for, for this book, um, you know, with John Bailey, um, the character that I came up with. I came up with him, I would have been in almost my mid, mid-30s, and when I sat down to write that, I think that I knew myself well enough as a writer by then from I think my earlier attempts and just thinking about the kind of writer I wanted to be and really the story just came to me then and I figured out my style and all of that. So, yeah, long answer to your question, I've always wanted to write books um, I've all, and I've been trying, I guess, since I was in my early 20s while I've been juggling a career and, a, and you know, now a young family. Um, so, yeah. So at 35-ish, you have figured out the kind of writer you want to be. What was the kind of writer that you wanted to be? Um, I, the, look, I, I was always a big reader um, of, you know, thrillers and crime fiction but also literary fiction too. Um, I think that once I'd worked out, you know, my style, in fact, I had this, this great sort of friend who a lot older than me but he's really a good writer in himself and, and he had given me some, he used to read some of my stuff um, when I'd give it to him in my early 20s and he was always very patient with me and, and he, he came back to me one day and he said, um, you write action um, and that sort of, you know, um, tense sort of thriller-style stuff those chapters in this book are really, they really stand out from the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that stayed with me, that comment. And um, of course, many years later, it's probably maybe 10 years later that I sat down to write the first John Bailey book, The Greater Good. And I really, I think I'd always been, I guess, buoyed by that comment from him. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to just, I'm going to run with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to write hopefully a page turner that people are going to love to want to read. But because I think of my journalistic background and this is where, you know, my day job is like research and I get to have like really interesting conversations with people that normal people don't get to meet or or to have those conversations with, you know, off the record stuff or, you know, that um, gives me really good deep background and also the investigations that, that um, a lot of my colleagues at the ABC are doing, I get looped into those really quickly in, in you know, in, in my role. So I get to, you know, you know, delve into their worlds too. So 
yeah, for me, um, the style that I realised is is my strength is also actually what I love doing as well, which is writing sort of pacey um, crime thriller stuff. So that that was a pretty easy um, point for me to when when I actually realised that's the type of writer that I think I can do that I can be and do really well, then. Um, the, the words just came out and it's the, the writing process for me has been thoroughly enjoyable because of that. Wow. So you've mentioned some of the things that um, inspired some of the themes in this book, like the raid on the ABC. Um, there was obviously a, a very popular alt-right blogger who came to Australia and all that kind of thing. Um, what though, they, they kind of planted some seeds, um, but after that, did you know how the story was going to play out? Like are you the sort of person who knows kind of what's going to happen at the end or do you just start writing and see what happens? I've developed into much more of a plotter, I think. Um, I think with my first book I just started, um, like with The Greater Good, I just started with the Bailey character. That was where I started that book and I knew that I wanted to write about Australia kind of caught in the middle of the U.S., China power struggle. And in fact, I'll probably tell you a quick story, which, which gave me the idea for that book. I was in the US, I was in the US um, and having an off-the-record conversation with someone, um, the US State Department. And um, I'm not sort of betraying any trust here by telling this, but um this is uh back around the time that um Obama was uh, in his campaign for his second election. And uh, it's about six weeks out from the election, I think. I'm in Washington, and um this guy. Um, is, well, I'm, I'm asking lots of questions. I'm there on this sort of the trip. It's Chatham House rules, and so I can't mm-hmm. share any of the things that he told me. But at the end of it, he said to me, he said, oh, if you don't mind, um, I've got a few questions for you. And I thought, oh, interesting. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how helpful I'm going to be. I don't have, you know, the, the size of the brain that, you know, you analysts at State Department do, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'm interested to hear what you say. So, you know, basically he started asking me a few questions. And one of the comments from him, he said, did I ever imagine a day when Australia would turn its back on the United States in favour of a closer mm-hmm. relationship with China? And I went, oh, wow, that's a great yeah. sort of idea for a, um, for a thriller. And that's where the idea for The Greater Good came from. So, so my, my day job does, you know, give me a lot of ideas for the kinds of books that I can write. So then coming back mm-hmm. to The Enemy Within, um, the uh, ideas behind this book is, We've watched um, a sort of populist far-right nationalist movement, you know, rise up over the last sort of five, six years, you know, from Donald Trump to, to others. You've got far-right nationalist leaders in over a half a dozen countries in the world right now. And you've also got this populist movement um, that in, in many ways it's fueled by social media and mm. the idea that uh, through social media and those sort of Wild West of, of, of journalism platforms, if you, if you like, um, where people can just share things that don't have to be true. They just have to be, mm. you know, something that maybe um, is in line with what I think. And that's where you, you um, see a lot of people, um, you know, finding like-minded people who are either disillusioned or, um, you know, wanting to see, um, you know, politicians do more for them like there's definitely an issue in the united states where people have lost a lot of trust in in political leaders and you know that kind of that gave america trump and trump's the 
in many ways, the false messiah for the working poor in America. I mean, he's the guy that's, you know, is a, is a billionaire who <laughs> has, you know, not always paid his taxes and, you know, he's, he's not necessarily out for the, for the little guy, but he became their champion because he was talking in really, you know, simple language around simple solutions for complex problems. And that's what a lot of people, I think, in other countries around the world, you know, Brexit possibly, similar mm. Um, that they were looking for these really simple solutions and, 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 a, and a populace to take them there. So we've seen that. And then an extension of that has been um, what we've seen, you know, it's in Australia now too, um, you know, ASIO's um, mm. uh, new uh, boss of ASIO, so 18 months ago, in fact, when I was sort of writing this book, um, he gave a speech where he called out white supremacy in Australia as one of the, you know, biggest you know, new threats to our country. Mm. So this sort of populist movement has, you know, also fed this sort of white supremacist movement and watching this sort of happen all around the world and then also here at home in Australia, I thought, well, you know what, an international plot um, set in Sydney is actually is pretty close to the truth of what's going on right now. And that's why, you know, with my books, I, I get to, you know, um, look at the, the, you know, look at um, the serious issue, um, but put it in a crime thriller form so people get a good understanding of the issue, but really they're hopefully in for an entertaining ride as well. Yes. And so on that entertaining ride, so you've got the underpinnings, the really strong themes, the really relevant stuff that's going on in the world. Um, but with that entertaining ride, you need to pace it appropriately and you need to have a really good structure. You say that you're a, a plotter now more so. Mm. How do you plot? As in... How and to what level before you start? Like, do you have index cards? Do you have, you know, my, my, lots of uh, a big cork board? Do you, you know, what does it look like? And to what granular level do you plot before you start writing? Well, I tried the cork board once and um, it sat in the corner of my then study, which soon became my daughter's room and now she <laughs> uses it for stuff. Um, look, I, I, I do want to get a lot more organised with, with, um, with the way I plot, but um, look, I'll start. I'll often I'll know where it, a book is going. I'll know the key characters, and I usually know the ending. Um, and then you know I'll I'll get going, and that's what I did mostly. I did certainly with the second book. The first book was a little bit more organic. Uh, took me a lot longer to write, um, but. With the third book, I really did plot it out because I found that um, if I if I don't plot, I can write myself into corners. Um, and then, you know, with a busy day job, um, I don't have a lot of time to write. So when I do sit down, I want to be able to use that time well. Um, so I may spend more time now plotting um, almost an entire book um, before I sit down and start writing, and that's what I'm doing with it with the book I'm writing at the moment. I mean, I've I've written in about sort of thirty thousand odd words at the moment um, of of this next John Bailey book I'm working on, um, but I've really hit pause and gone, okay, where's this going? Where are the big beats of the story going to be? Um, you know, who are my key characters? Are they really fleshed out enough? You know, I don't want to have sort of token characters in there. Um, you know, is there red herrings that I can think of now? So I, I am trying to get a lot more organised with that sort of granular detail. And where the, the way I do that is just in a Word document, to be honest with you. I just sort of mm -hmm. put down 
dot points, you know, little chapter summaries that now, you know, dot points as well. So with the book you're writing at the moment, the next John Bailey book, do you know the ending for this? Yes. However, (laughs) I'll say, say, however, um, and this has been the case with all of my first three books (laughs) that I've known the ending um, and then I've written an ending on an ending. Right. So, so I don't know if that makes sense, but it's mm-hmm. one one extra twist, you know, one key, you know, thing, and then I, right. you know, I've, I've sometimes I almost subconsciously, you know, have planted some may have planted something through the book that actually makes that ending on the ending, you know, work as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just want to, I really want to, I want the reader to have a good time. So I need to surprise them and make them go, oh wow, I didn't see that coming or something, you know. Mm. Now I want to talk about like because you said that you 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 know how it starts you know the key characters and you know where it's going as in you know the ending. Now, unlike the book of someone's life where you, you're born and then you die, the the the, the ending is no surprise. We know what's going to happen. Right? Um, when you're telling a story in this way, how does an ending come to you, or like do you actually think I know the beginning? Like, how do you get into the brain space where you are all the way towards the end without having known all the bits in between, not or even some of the bits in between? Um, like, how well, do you make yourself form an ending? Oh well, I, 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 it's like I know where I need to go. So the road to get there, I know like some of the streets I'm going to pass. If you think of it that way, um, and then there'll be a lot of other things on that road, and and they'll pop up. Um, later on and that's exciting for me like I'll I'll have key things planned out but then I'm as I'm writing there'll be oh wow I can just going there or this has happened or oh what if I did this so I think it's allowing myself that that freedom to let the book actually you know go the direction that naturally it feels it should anyway as, as well so I don't want to be so structured that I um, I get locked into something and go, oh no, no, that's not really part of the plan. Like I don't, I don't write like that. It's the main big beats, really. I'd probably describe it as that I that I know, and then um, there'll be lots of other things that I'll, you know, be surprised by as well along the way. So let's talk about characters. I mean, you know your main character, John Bailey, very well because you've lived with him for quite some time. But addition, in addition to John and other major characters, with your other major characters, what do you do to really get to know your characters? And probably even John in the earlier books. Do you build out a backstory? Do you know where they went to preschool? Do you have big folders on them? Do you know what they wear? All that kind of stuff. How do you de- develop characters so that eventually they become really alive on the page? Um, I just, I think I just get to know them like friends in a way. I, I don't have, you know, little dossiers or anything or anything on them. Um, but I've built their backstories um, pretty well um, in the in the first book with my key characters, and then also, you know, you're building them out a bit further in in the other books. So they've got to grow on the page, you know, in the same way that you know we do as people. But for me. That, that's I, I feel that I really know them as as people. Like they're very real to me. Um, I mean, writing Bailey, um, particularly, um, you know, there's been some scenes where you know it's there's emotional things going on. I might get a bit teary myself, you know, because mm. there's a big. They, they really you spend that much time with them that um, 
as I say, they're, they're very real to me. So, yeah, I don't – they grow a little bit organically and they can surprise me too um, if there's little things that I might, you know, bring into their story um, but just make sense. You know, I don't think we ever get to know people in one go. So you get to know people over years and years and years. That You'd, you'd know that mm. about your closest friends or even some members of your family. You might realise, oh, I never really knew that about you. So – I think for me, I'm always allowing them to kind of grow and, and you know, change to an extent but always, like, hold the essence of the kind of person they are. Like, you know, John Bailey, you know, wears Blundstone boots and jeans and he buys his flannelette shirts from op shops, you know. Like, he's – that's him. That's that's one thing that's him and that, you know, won't ever, you know, really change. You know, Ronnie Johnson, the CIA agent, you know, he's, he smokes cigars um, and, you know, he's – a He's, he's a really, really big guy. He's sort of intimidating to look at. Um, and so these, these, these people, um, for me, as I say, I, I, I know them well enough that whenever I sit down to write, it's sort of like saying, saying hello to old friends again. It sounds like you get quite immersed uh, in your writing if you are at the level where you can feel the emotions that your characters are going through, where you're shed tears if if that's what's happening in the scene at the time do you also experience the stress levels that they're going through because sometimes there's really stressful things going on and the pace that's going on so do you also experience that and what and if so what does that feel like and what do you do yeah well it's it's, um oh it's it's trying to keep up with with um the the story that's unfolding in my head with you know trying mm. to get it down you know just <laughs> smashing the keyboard as fast as possible sometimes with those um those scenes um in in a book for me it's just getting them down as fast as possible and then i go back and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite but yeah it's just keeping up it's it's trying to keep up um you know i think if it's happening really fast for me then hopefully that means it's going to be happening yeah. really fast for the for the reader as well so it's 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 you know it's it's all part of the process i think if you're writing an exhausting scene, are you exhausted at the end of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to go for a walk or, right. or just, um, you know, uh, pour myself a glass of wine or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, so- it is, it's important. Yeah, it's a journey, yeah. <laughs> if, um, uh, in terms of keeping up, uh, you have a full-time job and it's it's a demanding one and it and it's one so in case uh, listeners missed it you're managing editor for television and video for ABC news so it is one where you it requires focus and concentration um and it's not something that you know you can just look at uh, uh, you pay a, a small amount of attention to so you're busy on a practical level where do you fit in writing books so i don't really do anything during the week um, I mean, I'm not a huge sleeper, so I'll be up at you know, <laughs> five, five thirty um, most days. And if if I did anything during the week, it's probably reading over um, what I've written, maybe at the weekend. So my 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 big writing times are Saturday and Sunday mornings. Um, I'll be up at sort of five, five thirty, and I'll write for um, you know sort of three hours, maybe on a Saturday, um, maybe longer if if um, when we're in. So my kids play winter sport, netball and rugby. So, you know, it's one of my favourite times of the week. I take them to footy and, and netball and watch them play, which is awesome. Um, mm. So I, I'll get up and write before that and then and then take off to do the sport. And then on Sunday, 
I'll do the same thing. I'll get up early and, and write, but I might write for four, or f- maybe four or five hours on a Sunday morning. Um, so look, it just it's I, I love it. I feel I'm incredibly lucky to be given the opportunity to write. So yeah, it's hard work sometimes, and and it, you make sacrifices, but. I love it. I mean, I just love the process of writing. And I do I do feel really lucky that I've been given the opportunity because there are so many great writers out there um, that haven't had their books published that probably should, you know. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm lucky at the moment and I'll just I'll, I'll keep riding the wave. But as long as I've tried to remove it from our life a little bit um, so that I can, you know, because family is sort of everything for me and, and mm. so as long as I can keep it, you know, just enough you know it's still it's still you know um we're all kind of making sacrifices to to support me doing this in a way you know it's um because it's there you know it's something i'm doing but um i've tried to remove it enough so that uh you know my wife's got a busy job and you know i've got the kids that i want to be there for them and and do all the things that you got to do as a parent so early mornings is when i can get some time and it doesn't invade our life too much now wow so early mornings and only on weekends maybe three hours on a Saturday, maybe four or five hours on a Sunday. When you sit down for that writing period on the Saturday and the Sunday, I have you got some level of structure that you're aiming for a certain number of words or you're trying to get through a certain number of chapters or something? No, not really. <clears throat> um, I, like if I'm doing, if I've, you know, planned things out well enough, um, I know that I'm going to be getting some good words down, but I also think that sometimes just having that time to think as well can, is really valuable. So if I'm not mm. getting many words down, if I've actually worked out the bit of the plot that I was stuck on, so if I write, you know, three or 400, 500 words when, in fact, I would have loved to have written 2,000, if I only write that much but I've really worked it out and I've jotted down the notes of what that means um, and how I solve that problem, then next time I, time I sit down, then I'm sort of, you know, straight off and racing. So, yeah, it doesn't I – don't, I don't put that kind of pressure on myself, but I do at the same time enjoy um, seeing the work count tick up over a, hmm. over a month period maybe rather than, you know, a weekend. Yes. And so I guess this is a multi-layered question. You say that you don't write – during the week now is that because you want to spend time with family a time factor or is it because of the brain the bandwidth as in the brain space that's required in your demanding job which requires a lot of thinking and a lot of decisions and stuff like that and also when you are in your job you would come across a lot of you know you say you 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 can have a lot of interesting conversations with a lot of interesting people do you compartmentalize in that? Do you immediately go, "Oh, I'm going to file that away for a future story idea," or do you always work, work, and you know, writing's writing? Um, look, um, so sorry, I just going to my daughter just came in the room. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Um, so yeah, look, I can compartmentalize things really well. So my book's just usually right. sitting in a little corner of my head sort of neatly and I can dive into it whenever I need to. But, um, yeah, look, my, my day job is really busy. Like I, I, um, I, if I do anything during the week, as I'd sort of touched on earlier, I might just read over what I did at the weekend and that's usually before six. But then once it gets after sort of six, six 30 in the morning, you know, I'm full, I'm in work mode, just sort of consuming news and, you know, checking, you know, um, 
a few emails early on and just so we start getting set up for the day because you, you got to make decisions early on in, in yeah. news. So I, one, part of my job is running the TV news, ABC News channel, um, and I've got a great team uh, that's doing that. But for me to be properly engaged in that, I need to know everything that's going on yeah. as well so that I can support them on making you know the right decisions for the day. So that's really early on for me. So for me during the week, I tend not to write. It, look, early on when I was writing, I think my second book, I did try to do windows at night um, where I'd write maybe from nine till midnight. Um, but me being me, I'd mm. still wake up at like 5.30 oh. in the morning and I could never get to sleep after writing until midnight. Yeah. So I'd be lying there to one and then up at 5.30 and my brain was just fried. So I don't think I was writing well. I don't. I think I'd, you know, my job, I wasn't enjoying as much, so I gave that that routine up pretty quickly and just switched to to mornings at the weekend and and reviewing during the week, so that I could really focus on my day job and 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 do a good at jo- good job at that too. Hey, it seems to be working for you. So, what's the most challenging thing about writing thrillers? Plot, um, plot for me, yeah. Plot, yeah. plot is plot's hard but it should be hard you know like if you're going to mm. you want the plot to to work really hard for the reader because you want to surprise them you want to take them places that they didn't know they were going or or or, or see things they didn't see coming so you know, that 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 is is hard for me i find that at hard i find the words really easy so i can sit down and and write and i'm happy with my writing but the the plot is the difficult thing for me and many other writers would, would possibly agree with that maybe some of the others find it really easy I don't know but for me plot's hard but I, that doesn't surprise me that it's difficult because I want to write something that's original too I want to come up yeah. with a story that's no one else has sort of written um so yeah plot is my answer on that one I think plot's tough but it should be Mm. So you've written several John Bailey books now and you're writing the next one. When you wrote your first John Bailey book, did you know at that point that it, you ha- that you had lots of John Bailey series and books, you know, coming up, so, so John Bailey stories in your brain waiting to come out? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, you knew that? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I um once I created the character, I and then the kind of the little world around him, yeah, I just knew that I could write twenty of these books because really, yeah, I just had that. I I, I really, um, yeah, I just I, I felt that um, he's a character that's you know is, is that I knew well enough, and and the 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 stories that would come, and yeah, he just. I I, I like the character and, and just really wanted to write more of his his books, yeah. so. So, so yeah, I, you know, you never plan to write 20 books when you're writing a book, but when the question came to me and when I went through the whole process of, you know, looking through a public, for a publisher and, and, um, and, you know, got a magnificent agent, Sean Rickman's, um, you know, mm-hmm. she had one thing she'd raised as well early on is, you know, do you, do you think it's a series? And I said, yeah, absolutely. In fact, here's two synopsis for the next two, you know. Wow. Um, and that's when, um, you know, that's how, like when I first signed the, the first deal, it was, it was three books straight away. Yeah, great. So then, of course, do you have a non-John Bailey book in your head? Yeah, I do. come out? I do, I do. I, I think um, I would like to write. Too? They're crime, crime novels. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I really am interested in um, 
in writing a standalone at some point. I think I've yeah. maybe got a, a few more Baileys in me before I'd I'd take a break and, and write a mm. standalone. Um, but yeah, no, I've got an idea in that that maybe it may end up being a Bailey book. I've got to say about <laughs> it. I don't know. It's 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 around mistaken identity and stuff. Okay. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, no, I'm, I um I've got I'm not short of ideas. Um, okay. I've constantly got a little uh, you know I've got notes going everywhere and a little folder on my laptop with you know lots of different sort of plot starters if you like that I'll get mm. to. What's the most rewarding thing about writing fiction? Um, that's a tough one to answer. I think the process for me is incredibly rewarding. Just me mm. sitting down and having that time to focus on just one thing and just be with the book um, and my characters. I really enjoy that because I think these days, you know, life is um, so busy. We all get pulled in so many different directions um, that being able to sit down and just focus on one thing I find is really enjoyable. Mm. Um, and then, look, I think every writer will probably tell you just walking into a bookshop and seeing your book up on the shelf, it's pretty nice too. Yeah, pretty nice. <laughs> and finally then, what are your top three tips for aspiring writers who would love to be in a position where you are one day? Top three tips of writing. So mm-hmm. I think the never being afraid to hit delete because I think that sometimes we spend so much time trying to maybe polish something that wasn't quite there or, or you know, rewrite and rewrite until... You know, you've got something um, that you you think you can improve. But look, I've some of the you know difficult, I guess, lessons I've learned is that um, if you've written yourself into a corner, then you know don't try to get out of it. Just you know, delete the corner yeah. <laughs> and then start again. Um, uh-huh. I think read and read and read. Um, yeah. You know, be a big reader if you want to be a a writer. Um, and I think. Don't try to be anyone else. You know, take the time to find your own voice. And then once you find your own voice and your own style, um, then I think you'll probably write the best book that you can write because it's yours and your and it's your strengths. You're not trying to be anyone else. Wonderful. Well, congratulations on The Enemy Within, Tim, and thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Valerie. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. There you go, Tim Aliff. So, yeah, always good to have so many different types of authors on the podcast. Hey, Al. Well, and I can't, you know, like as far as like way to go to show how to fit the writing in, Tim, oh. like, you know, it, yes. when you're that busy and, you know, you're writing on your weekends and I guess it just comes really? back to that thing of you, you know, you write, you make the time, you write when you, you can, you know, you don't wait for it. Yeah, so mm. go, Tim. Absolutely. Okay, so we're almost at the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Al? What am I doing? That's a great question. Well, recovering from the last couple of weeks, I'm going to visit some local bookstores and sign books, which is fun, um, and just preparing for book week, I think, is going to be my main my main aim at this point. I have to write busy, some busy. guest posts for blogs, you know, mm. just that kind of stuff. I'm just just doing it. Just our stuff. <laughs> hashtag <laughs> our stuff. <laughs> what about you? What are you doing? Are you doing hashtag Val stuff? I'm doing hashtag Val stuff, but now that we've talked about it, I might go yeah. buy some magazines as in some home 
home decor interior design magazines to kind of think of some inspiration of getting a proper grown-up desk. Yeah, I think you should. Treat yourself. But see, the thing is you've got a proper – this is where we – this is where I'm falling apart is I've got a proper grown-up desk Mm. but I don't have a proper grown-up chair. Oh, and I have. You've a got a proper grown-up chair. Yes. So I think my, sure. I need to. My next job is going to be to find to get myself that proper grown-up chair because that's what I yes. need. Mm. Yes. I mean, I got mine out of necessity because my back hurt. Um, I know, but my back hurts too. But I just haven't done that yet. Oh, I, I, I'm putting up with it. Why am I doing instant that? Instant relief mm. once you get the right chair. Mm. All right. Uh, and if anyone's wondering, it's the Aeron chair. Mm. Uh, definitely worthwhile. Significant um, investment, but worthwhile. Mm, mm. Mm. All right. So that's where do we find you online, Al? You'll find me at alisontait.com, A L L I S O N T A I T. You'll find me on dot com. You'll find me on <laughs> Instagram and Facebook at Alison Tate Writer. And you'll find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate. And you, Val, where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentercomau slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.